Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. All right, I'm going to start with some real talk about life moments where everything shifts in your life, where everything changes, like moments where you say, wow, that was a close one, or how in the world did I get through that, or how am I even still breathing? But I'm going to start with some normal ones, some normal ones, not the big crazy ones, not the ones that knock your feet, maybe like a college course or a high school course or just any course that you took and you got to the end of it and you got your final grade and you said, how in the world? How in the world did I pass that course? I know some of y'all out there, you got some of those. You, 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 I have no idea, but I got a C. How did I get a C? I shouldn't have got a C. My very last college course in, in college, I just knew I was going to just, I just done terrible on the test. I had senioritis. I was already moving on in my head to the next parts of my life. <clears throat> and I got, I got my grades in. I remember like, oh, I'm going to fail this course. I'm going to have to take a whole other semester because it was like required for me to graduate. And she gave me a C. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. Thank you so much. It was so great. Or like a business meeting that you went in and you just utterly failed in the business meeting. It might have been a, a meeting with your own company. It might have been a meeting where you were going somewhere and you were like at a sales meeting or something like that. And you just absolutely, absolutely should have been fired. Definitely should have not got the business. And all of a sudden you got the business. Anybody have one of those? Y'all have one of those? Ask you ever have one of those? And you're, absolutely. Or you pulled a prank and you never got caught. That's the kind of stuff we don't, we like, you, you know you pulled a prank. You never got caught. Some of y'all are smirking in this house like you, there's some pranks that already. Would y'all do something to me? Is there, I got a sign on my back. So, but you never got caught. You think, how did I get away with that? Now, let's take it up a notch. Let's take it up a notch. What about crazy, life-altering experiences like you had a real-life close call? Like when your blood starts coursing, your adrenaline shoot through your veins. I've had a number of close calls in my life all shapes and sizes. Some of them I even, I, I, like, I can't even talk about. They were so formative for me. Plenty of college and seminary courses, told you about that. Quite a few business meetings that I, like, I don't know how I didn't get fired. I sometimes open my mouth and I get rolling and I'm kind of on a roll and then I step back and I'm like, Matt, you should have probably just, like, timed out and, like, kept your mouth closed. I've had real-life closed calls, too, though. Ones where you've said, how do I, how did I survive that? No idea how I made it out of that alive. When I was a kid, I was probably, I was probably six or seven years old, and I was riding in the car with my grandmother. My grandmother, Dot, and we were driving down Hillsborough Road in Franklin, Tennessee, which at the time was just all farms, right? It was just a two-lane highway, little gravel shoulder, not much, not much space. I mean, it was, it was back in the day, right? And I'm driving down. No, nah, she's driving. I'm riding in the car. And this car that's coming this way, it was one of those big, this is the time like those people drove those cars that were huge. It was like these boats, you know, it was like this massive, massive car. I don't even know what kind it was, but I could see it. It was probably about 40, 50 yards from us. And I saw it, it was coming fast. And I looked and I saw this puff of smoke come out of its tire. And then I saw the tire just pop. Like it just, it just blew out on the side. And it blew out on the side that was like the, 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 like the, the lines down that, so it was on our side. And it pulled the car, immediately pulled the car right into our lane. And I remember my grandma Dot just swerving off onto that gravel shoulder. I mean, we were going 50 miles per hour, off onto that gravel shoulder. And somehow, corrects, the car comes flying into our lane off the gravel shoulder, and she stays on the road. And I have no idea to this day, I have no idea to this day how I made it out of there alive. 
Another story, when I was, uh, it was a summer, this is a number of years ago, and Pastor Melody and I went on a vacation to Michigan, and we were up in Michigan having a great time, and, and she had to go and fly to the National Youth Gathering to meet up with all the kids that they were having this big youth gathering, and I had to take her to the airport. I think the airport was in like Kalamazoo, Michigan, right? So it's like little airport. It was super early. I had to have her there. She was like a 6 o'clock a.m. flight. I had to get her there at like 4.30 or something like that because that was the, that was the deal. I'm driving there, dropping her off love you baby have a great uh, great flight and then I leave the airport and as I'm leaving the airport I'm kind of like zoning out I was exhausted we had been playing cards with family having a great time I kind of zoned out and I'm looking at this light that I'm coming to and it's a red light and I'm going like 50 60 miles per hour and I just thought huh the light's still red why is it not green and I didn't slow down and I went through the stoplight, and as I'm going through the stoplight, I can still see it. This car is coming this way, 50, 60 miles per hour, and I saw the headlights at my door. I saw them at the door of my car. <clears throat> Completely missed me. To this day, I have no idea how I made it out of that alive. I, I was in the wrong. I ran the red light. I should have gotten t-boned by this car there's a story when i was in atlanta and i was driving up over this road it was over in this decatur area over by emory university i remember coming up and over the top of this hill and i'm coming down and i don't know what it was this dude was in front of me and dude would just not like he was driving so slow i was getting so irritated because i needed to get where i was going and so like he went down the hill, he went over the top of the hill, and I remember seeing his brake lights, and I'm just like, man, I need to get where I'm going. I'm gonna pass him on this straightaway. So I sped way, way up. I mean, like, I was going 15 miles an hour over the speed limit. Don't listen to that son who's about to take his driver's test. Don't listen to that. And I come up over the hill, and I'm like flying, and all of a sudden, as we're coming down the hill, I see a police officer down at the bottom catching people speeding. I'm like, ah, he got me, he got me, he got me. I'm, I'm dead to rights, he got me. Done. Pulls me over. Uh, Sir, you got a speeding ticket here. Then take all my stuff. So I had to go to court. I show up to court and I'm like, um, I walk up. And before I can get anything out of my mouth about like, I definitely did the thing. I shouldn't have done the thing. I'm here. He's the police officer's there. The judge looks at me and goes, uh, I see that it looks like you were speeding. And I, and, I, and I was about to say yes. And she said, uh, well, you're not guilty. Just head on home. That was it. Not, not guilty. I remember looking over at the police officer and him looking over at me and him being like, I, I, got, I, I, got, I got him on film. Like, I got him on camera. That, like, what do you mean not guilty? Not guilty? And then I went home. And I even got the sheet of paper that they gave me that I kept because I thought it was so crazy because it says, Matt Simpkins, not guilty. Now, what do all these things have in common? I have done nothing, nothing in my life worthy to deserve to have made it through all of those things unscathed. I was guilty. I was the one that ran the red light. That, that car had us dead to rights. They should have just taken us out. It would have been a head-on collision at 50 miles per hour when I was a little kid. But, but why is that? Why do we say, not me, I don't deserve that? Why do we say the word deserve? I think it's because we think that being unfocused or not paying attention somehow deserves the worst. 
We think that about people. You've, you've heard somebody say, yeah, they, they got what they deserve, man. They weren't paying attention to the sermon. They were on their cell phone. They weren't paying attention. They, they were surfing YouTubes. They deserve it. <laughs> we say that. I was talking to someone recently, and, and we were talking about how we always ask ourselves, how am I worth it? Why am I worth it? Why me? I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough to pass those courses. I'm not great enough at this to be unscathed and keep my job. I'm not, I'm not ready enough to handle this. Not me. I don't deserve it. Yet time and time again, here we are still breathing, and we all have one of these stories of undeserved grace. You got a story of undeserved grace? You need to tell that story of undeserved grace. I'm going to tell you a story of everlasting, steadfast love from Hosea. This is one of the prophets that, you're, that we're studying, and I'm going to read the scripture to you in just a second. But the background on Hosea was this. He's from northern Israel. I know, you don't care, but I'm going to tell you anyway. From northern Israel, he's called to speak during the reign of Jeroboam II. Say Jeroboam II, one, two, three. Jeroboam, Jeroboam II. And the Assyrians had just destroyed Israel in 2 Kings. You could read that story in 2 Kings. Hosea is largely a collection of his writings, largely poetic. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. And it's over a quarter century where it's like 25 years of this stuff. And Hosea is really broken down into three parts. And we're actually going to spend time just in part one. Now, those of you that are reading along the prophets with us right now, you've already read through Hosea. Or you're about to read through Hosea. Part one is sort of this beginning part of him. It's the story of him and his wife, Gomer. Gomer and his wife had a few kids, but she was particularly uh, promiscuous, is a good way to put it. Uh, she got around. <laughs> She's very unfaithful to Hosea. And Hosea, like any normal husband, is particularly hurt and probably a little angry. But he, but he asked God, what should I do? What should I do? Now, the truth is, she deserved death. Because at this time, that's the, way the laws, that's the way the laws were set up, right? If you were unfaithful, as a woman, you deserve death. You would actually be taken out. Remember this? You saw this in, in Scripture where they take this woman out that's caught in adultery. They throw her on the ground. All these people come around to, to like, throw stones at her. And of course, you remember what Jesus said. Yet, yet ye, let ye who has not sinned cast the first stone. That's how Jesus talked, I'm sure. <laughs> but that was the law, right? She deserved death according to the law or, or worst case or best case scenario to be shunned and like pushed out of Hosea's life forever. She was clearly in the wrong and she continually was doing this behavior so much so that there are like several men that she's with. But when Hosea goes to talk to God and says, what do I do? What do I do about this? This is, God tells Hosea, actually, Hosea, what you're going to do is you're going to go find her, number one. You're going to pay off her debts, number two. You're going to make peace with all of those men. (laughs) Then you're going to bring her home with you. And lastly, you are going to recommit your love, and your faithfulness to her. I'm going to need a minute. I'm going to need a minute. I'm just going to, I'm going to take a minute. I'm going to give you all a minute. That is exactly what he said. That's exactly what God said. You're going to pay off her, for, you're going to find her. You're going to pay off her debts. You're going to make peace with those men. You're going to bring her home. And then you're going to recommit your love and faithfulness to her. Everybody breathe for a second. 
That's crazy. That's crazy. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine being Homer and have to been saying, you kidding me? She, she, she did all of the wrong things. I, I was not unfaithful. She was unfaithful. Why do I have to pay off her debts? Why do I have to make peace? Why do I have to recommit my love and my faithfulness to her? And God says to Hosea, this is actually something that I want you to share. I want you to share it right now. I want you to share it to the people that I'm talking to. And then one day, it doesn't say this in there, but we know the rest of the story. One day we're going to read this story of Hosea and Gomer. This, Homer, is how my people are treating me. Mm. And that was Hosea's call to the people. They too have wandered away doing the same thing. See, this moment of great pain Great loss, great frustration for Hosea ends up being this great blessing to the people. Because that was the only way, I'm thinking, that Hosea would ever understand how God felt about God's people. That God would even think about us in that way. Now think about it for just a second. Let, let, me, let me pause and talk about what the people of God have done at this time, right? Remember, God rescued them from the hand of Pharaoh. Everybody say, whoop, whoop. And then brought them to the promised land. They're in the promised land. Everybody say, ah. Nobody said that. That's all right. You're saying it at home. And then they take all of that love, all of that providence, and they turn away from God, and they turn to Baal. Wait, wait, wait. So, so, so that you, you're the God that brought us out. You're the God that set us in the promised land. You're the God that pours out love and abundance. But hold up, because that, that girl over there is much hotter than you. So I'm going to turn, and that's what we're going to do. You kidding me? They take all of that love. Furthermore, they've been breaking all the Ten Commandments. There's tons of social injustice that's happening with the people this time. They're trusting political alliances to protect them instead of God. They're turning to politicians instead of God. Then they go and act like everything's fine. They go and bring sacrifices like, oh, it's all good. We're just turning to Baal because, I mean, we'll do you and that's cool. You do you. and then, But we're also going to go to, to Baal because, because Baal's got some cool stuff going on too. So why not? I mean, we can have lots of gods. We don't, we don't need to have one God. Like everything's fine, but it's not. And this action is tearing God's heart apart. God could and maybe should have just destroyed Israel altogether. As a matter of fact, God even thinks about it. But later says, and this is one of the most beautiful parts of this entire scripture, in chapter 11, verse 8, God says, How can I give you up? How can I give you up? Instead, God decides to renew God's covenant with the people. Now, before I read the scripture, I, I want to just do one disclaimer, all right? So if you were not paying attention, I'm not being silly right now, I'm being serious. I don't want you to hear this as a call to stay in an abusive relationship, okay? Some of you may be in an abusive relationship, might not be physical, could be emotional, could be mental. You don't deserve to be stuck in that. You don't deserve what's happening to you. If you feel like you might be in an abusive relationship, I want you to reach out to us. Call me, email me, we'll talk, we can help you. Second, if you're the abuser, maybe you're incredibly angry at your family or your spouse or your kids and you don't know why, I want you to call me 
Email me, text me, something. We can help you. All right, that's my disclaimer. We read from Hosea chapter 2. Hosea chapter 2, verse 13 through 23, it says, I will punish her for the days she burned incense to the Baals. She decked herself with rings and jewelry and went after her lovers, but me she forgot, declares the Lord. Therefore, I'm going to allure her. Now, this, at this point, when I was reading the scripture, I'm just like, oh man, it's about to go down. I mean... I don't, know what, I don't know why they chose that translation. That's probably the best way. But I'm going to just allure her, right? She, ultimately talking about, about Israel. I will lead her in the wilderness. Oh, man, it's, it's going to be worse now. It's going to be even worse now. It's going, we're going into the wilderness. And then verse 14 says, and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards. And I will make the valley of Achor, which ultimately means trouble, a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me husband and you will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the Baals from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. And in that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, with the birds of the sky and the key creatures that move along the ground. Bow and sword and battle I will abolish from the land so that they may lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will acknowledge the Lord. In that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies, and they will respond to the earth, and the earth will respond to the grain and new wine and the olive oil. They will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called, not my loved one. I will say to those called, not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. That is so beautiful. Such good news. The word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. Man, oh man. How beautiful is this? Not just the poetry of it, but God's love, God's compassion, God's forgiveness, and yet also the acknowledgement of that hurt. It hurts when we're betrayed and wronged by others, and God is ultimately hurt by us, and we deserve to be pushed away. We, reserve, we deserve to be rejected. We deserve to die. But that's not what God chooses. Come on. Somebody let me preach today. I know somebody needs to hear this today. This is not what you deserve. Not me. How in the world did I make it out of that? It's not what you deserve. But that's what grace means. That's what God is doing. God is showing Israel what grace looks like. God is sending them this incredible messenger to remind them how much God loves them. See, this story is less about what an individual deserves and more about how God loves with this romantic, deep marriage love. I will betroth you to me. I will bring you to myself. And I will plant you in fertile ground and bring fruit from you. That that's how God thinks about Israel. Brothers and sisters, that's how God thinks about you. But we still say, not me though. I don't pray enough. I don't go to church enough. I don't even watch the things I'm supposed to watch. I don't be reading scripture. I don't spend time in prayer. 
I don't do the things I'm supposed to do. I seek other gods. Money is more important to me. Success. Even infidelity is actually kind of fun, man. I take God's abundance for granted. Not me. Well, here's the good news. We are Gomer. We've always been Gomer. We run away from God. We run away from God's calling. We cheat on God. We cheat on each other. All of this we are guilty of. I don't deserve that love and grace. Not me. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. I want you to listen in right now. And then God responds. Yes. You. I'm the one who will run after you. Yes. You. I'm the one who will still provide when you turn away. Yes. You. I am the one who will hold you up even as you push me away. Yes. You. I am the one who will go to the cross for you. Yes, you, my love and compassion and grace is greater than your sin. It's greater than your brokenness. It's greater than your running away. Yes, you. Listen, church, God says, I am the grace that will always turn your not me into yes, you. Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.